I must have been talking the truth, you laugh. <laughs> well, be truthful about it. Often you have welcomed it. And one, since one cannot always welcome, one has also to resist. So you have done that too. So, and here uh, is again something to talk about. This Dharma is really unexhaustible. I have made a vow to attain it, so I have to go on. The, there was a vow in the tradition of Zen I learned, and it says, Sentient beings are numberless. I vow to practice with them all. The original text is, I vow to save them, but that's too much for me. <laughs> I want to be modest. I practice with them all. Then this next line is, um, the dharmas, no, uh, desires are endless. I vow to put an end with them. The dharmas are unexhaustible. Dharmas, our talks about it, our abilities. The dharmas are unexhaustible. I vow to attain them. The Buddha's mind is unsurpassable. I vow attain it. When I get Zen masters to my, uh, as a visitor or old Zen students who want uh, to see and come to visit me, that's what they do. First thing, they go into the Zendo, they take Gasho, bow down and chant this chant, this vow if they have taken it. <laughs> nice vow, isn't it? Nice to have it. <laughs> so, my dear Dharma friends, and uh, say, I got to this vow because I said, uh, here is again the time arrived to talk about Dharma, make a Dharma talk, and you're already waiting it, for it. That makes it especially interesting for me. So, um, and why do we do all that? And uh, why are we here? And what is the whole uh, cause or reason be and meaning behind it all? Doing this Dharma talking this Dharma, practicing this Dharma. It really concerns a very important issue of our lives, and that is the question of happiness, isn't it? <laughs> That's really a very, very basic issue in all our work. And we are following the Buddha's teaching, I said initially, when you come to a personal meditation course, and his uh, instructions. And here, in the attainment of happiness, um, give, um, the instruction of the Buddha is the first noble truth. 
He says, if we want to understand the question of happiness, we have to first go into the basement and understand the question of unhappiness. And then we have the chance to come to understand, really, maybe, or have um, an access, an entry to happiness. Hmm? and come in this way to better understanding and can in this way probably <clears throat> succeed to a complete correct understanding or real un understanding of what is true about our lives. So, um, so that is uh, the, um, the recommendation of the Buddha's teaching. Um, look at the, point of, at the part which is unhappy, and that is um, our suffering, isn't it? Our dis-ease, our unsatisfactoriness in life. Most people don't notice it because they are so very busy to pursue the happiness. They don't notice that there is unhappiness. And it is quite immediate. <clears throat> and this, um, we could, we didn't need to look far, in case we want to investigate a little bit. Um, here, I like to start with the most immediate uh, um, suffering, we or dissatisfaction we can experience, just to get a sense of its truth. Buddha calls uh, this first, uh, um, this, um, this recommendation to, to notice and to um, get acquainted with uh, this unhappiness, dukkha. And that means unhappiness and all forms of dissatisfaction and all branches, all things which branch, branch off, we could... Um, use up quite a long time to enumerate all the forms. Start with the 84,000. <laughs> just to name a few. So, um, just, you know, not really the, the, the extreme suffering, just let's look at a day where we feel, uh, where we're looking forward, and where we feel that will be a marvelous day. It's a day, I suggest to, to imagine here, where we are um, um, free of any task and any duty, and where we have the pleasure to wake up in the morning and uh, experience uh, this uh, state of mind. Oh, I have nothing to, to observe today. No duty, no office work, no children to look after. Nothing. I'm totally free, finding myself at home all alone. And um, I want now, as I awake, and uh, am in the midst of enjoying this thought, uh, that uh, it's beautiful to stay in the warmth of my bed and enjoy that rest, and uh, uh, with uh, in, in view, maybe two, three hours more, sitting, um, lying down comfortably under the puffs or bound down deck blankets. 
And so I roll um, in that delight from one side to the other. And somehow um, it doesn't seem like I can stay there. I have to, I have to follow a call of nature. And I, <laughs> I have to go to the bathroom for it is uncomfortable to lie, to continue being comfortable. <laughs> it's impossible to continue being comfortable with a full bladder. So I go to the bathroom. Mostly we find uh, not too good conditions here. Either it's too cold or not enough good order or whatever you find in bathrooms you may recall recollect yourself in it. However, we succeed here <laughs> and uh, we, we look forward uh, for the situation um, we left. It was warm in the bed and uh, comfortable and I like to slip under this blanket again and uh, um, be comforted by this uh, situation. And so you rest a little, but not too long. You find yourself uh, rolling around and not quite understand yet why. Why do you think you would roll? You have gone through that. Well, it's a feeling of hunger. It's breakfast time, far past. So, since you have given time off for your maid, you will have to get up. <laughs> in the kitchen and do it yourself. So the feeling of hunger drives us into the kitchen. That is uncomfortable to be in bed in, with this, in this condition. It isn't very um, inviting in the kitchen either. We forgot to wash the dishes the night before. You don't find a clean cup or you don't find that in the refrigerator what you would like to have for breakfast on a, on a day off. You imagine something more exciting, but you see it isn't there, so your, your mood is, is sinking. And the um, prospect to maybe go now out and make some shopping is even worse. So you succeed to get something on that plate and into the cup and sit down and have your breakfast, not with an exciting and uh, um, interested uh, appetite. However, you feed yourself, you think, well, it's my day off, um, I will now maybe do that, what I so long wanted to do, my reading, and uh, go in my cozy corner in the living room or the bedroom and continue celebrating free day having nothing to do no duty just myself and as I realized it and go into the reading it was not, not after a short while already that chair I sit which looked comfortable also gives me pain and the reading is not too interested, interesting. And my mind doesn't seem to be with it. 
So there is a very uncomfortable feeling. How do I get over that? It's my free day. I would like to have something more dramatic. And, uh, looked forward for it. By now it's past lunch. <laughs> and the uh, prospect to have a happy free day doesn't seem to exist. After you have called maybe some people, to help you overcoming that loneliness or discomfort. You want company and everyone said, I, I have some work, I am in work, I can't come. Maybe Sunday. So, um, it's, uh, it's disappointing, it's unpleasant. So then you decide maybe to go out into nature, you know it is very good to have a walk in nature. You find yourself walking, maybe even jogging a little bit. However, this body suddenly gives you trouble. You feel tired. Don't know why, because you didn't do all day anything. That is even worse to experience, more uncomfortable, than to know that you were tired because you did something. And you have that feeling of, <clears throat> so you rest yourself, and um, finally go home, and by the time uh, you come home, it might be dark. <coughs> and so the whole wonderful day off uh, was, um, hmm, what was it? It was moving at closer look from one uncomfortable situation into the next. Who can uh, relate to that? Even holidays reveal themselves as that. You have a promising attitude and an expecting one, and nothing seems to fall into place there according to your program and expectation. Either the weather isn't right, or it is too expensive, or the, the landscape isn't so pretty as you thought. <laughs> or maybe your car breaks down. There is so many things, <clears throat> there are so many things which will drive us again and let us move into this response uh, to move away from that what is unpleasant and try to look of, uh, uh, for, uh, for that uh, what maybe promises more comfort. That drives us, this attitude, from, from one uncomfortable situation into the other. The pain of sitting still, the pain of having a full bladder, the pain of feeling hungry, the pain of feeling bored, the pain of loneliness, and the pain of doing something about it and not, su not succeeding. Who can relate to that? Right. So, and, and so we come to a Vipassana meditation course to get a relief or getting some wisdom, how to deal with it. And initially, uh, what do we fi find ourselves in? Uh, somehow, 
after we have, with great effort, succeeded to get over the squirminess and uh, restlessness, perhaps, uh, um, we, uh, um, it, it continues in here still. There is still so much activity which also drives us to some uh, spot uh, to get a relief. And always are we carried on, or very often, also by hope that it is going to get better. So we find ourselves being chased, so to speak, or being pulled by that what could be. Hmm? And that is um, that um, one of the features is that we don't, um, are not able to feel what is there, that uh, um, we cannot uh, accept that, that discomfort, that what seems to drive us forward or makes, feels, makes us run away from that we are in. The Buddha calls it thirst or hunger. And that is a very, very great, uh, deep feature in our lives. We all do it a lot. This kind of movement away from what is painful, from, uh, away from what is unpleasant. Now we talked about it already a lot, and here it appears again. What shall we talk about uh, Dharma? The whole Dharma is nothing else but the movement away from ignorance, from suffering, toward wisdom and toward relief. So naturally we will always look at that from different, uh, different perspectives. Now here from the perspective maybe of the first noble truth. Truth, you hear that? It's the truth, this, this thing we are talking about. Now, we look at this movement, um, which is a lot in our lives, away from the painful. And you all know that we have been engaged, and to some extent still find ourselves doing a lot of that, moving away, especially if we happen to be uh, long-term meditators, even when we have quite a lot of understanding of it, um, it evades us. We cannot accept it. We exercise running away, moving towards something what is more comfortable. So that is on the personal level, dukkha on a very personal level, and on a day where we are not even really engaged in life, uh, um, performing our duties for making a living and attending to our obligations, where we were totally free. And look, we found a lot of dukkha right there. Without have, uh, um, creating it, having it created. So then let us make another view to this dukkha, maybe a wider view, look at the world. I mentioned it in terms of right understanding in the big first uh, talk on Friday night. Remember I said, 
Buddha's teaching we are following and it begins with right understanding and the beginning of right understanding is looking at the things we are suffering on the personal level and also on the worldly or global level on the world around us and so here let us look in a different way to it there is a tremendous amount of suffering if you just fly with your mind away from America to all other countries some are fighting and having war others are starving by the thousands by the hundred millions just on the scale of hunger it is said that there are four billion four billion people suffering I'm not quite sure whether it's four million or four billion at that point it is a great deal of suffering either way hmm? and there are hundreds of thousands or millions of uh, human beings starving because of not enough having enough nourishment or having enough shelter or medicine and protects protection from heat or cold and if you look again we kind of could agree that from all what we know of uh, the worldwide communications if you have a heart if you had a heart open for it we can probably estimate half of the globe of the uh, half of the people on earth having a great deal of suffering and are living in hardship in tremendous hardship because of wrong nutrition not enough nutrition not enough shelter not enough medicine that's that's clear for all of us and then let us look at ourselves we who we are compared to those sufferings tremendously richly supplied what happens with us we tend to forget this suffering because it is very uncomfortable for our consciousness can you hear friends Uh, of yours uh, where you maybe uh, wanted to invite to see situation of the world that there is suffering that they will say oh stop it I, I don't, don't want to hear it now it's uncomfortable for the consciousness to experience such overwhelming suffering and I think we ourselves have had that feeling here and then so sure our if we look at ourselves our physical suffering is much less compared to the, this suffering I just mentioned but there are other forms of suffering there is a lot of tension anxiety frustration and we can see it sometimes even in faces where there is stress and uh, the, the, the stress and hardship and anxiety or fear depression the sense 
the um, sense of being driven sometimes very openly speaks out of the faces. You may have noticed the boredom is sometimes visible. Nobody can hide it. And it is happening with people who are plentiful supplied or sufficiently supplied. So suffering is not just due to shortage of supplies. It is due to our shallow ways of living and our basic uh, um, tendencies of um, being unhappy for what we have and being unhappy for what we don't have. It's really um, um, uh, an, an, an intense uh, um, a situation and um, well, this is one another view of, of suffering on this level. Global level, then we looked into our society where everything is supplied. Now we go down on another level and um, look at uh, the, the whole range from, of human life from birth to its ending. Look at the a joyful event of birth. It is a joyful event, mostly for the ones who are around. And, uh, <laughs> but for the ones involved, for the little baby moving through that narrow birth canal, suddenly thrust into this harshness of this world, it's pain and it cries. And often Despite modern medicine, there is a great deal invo pain involved and, um, um, for the mother. And then begins the cycle, which uh, Buddha's, uh, as Buddha calls samsara. Uh, that is the, 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 the um, life span from birth to death. So there is infancy. Now look at the infancy, infant. Uh, it cannot communicate, it's helpless, it has to cry, to, to move hands and feet, and to communicate, it needs help, it needs nourishment. It's, a, it's not coming, these cries are not coming because of comfort. It will not say, I, 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 I feel pain, I am hungry, feed me. It just cries. It's difficult, infancy. And uh, then the next uh, cycle, what could we could see the childhood, the young childhood. Well, it's a little easier, but also uncomfortable. Everybody tells that poor thing what to do. Nobody of the adults seems to be happy with its behavior. And uh, um, it grows into adolescent mostly um, with resentment and fighting. Very hard. Remember that? Now comes the peak experience. <laughs> <laughs> of, of um, um, well, what do you call that age before you become an adult? 
adolescent. Yeah. What? Yeah, different names. Anyway, you know what I mean. That is the peak. When you think about it, you are not a child yet, and you're not an adult yet, and um, you want to find your own way and uh, your own personality, and uh, it is quite painful to move through all that. You want to be older than you are, to have better recognition and status, and uh, sometimes it feels it gives you good reason not to want a rebirth. So, um, yeah, it's suffering, then the schooling and the, t- and the learning and the teachers with, uh, which um, exercise uh, um, a behavior for most of us which is not acceptable or has to be fought, and so on. And then you are finally now an adult you want models and wonder how you have to behave. You look around and it feels like big children are running around <laughs> and holding together. <laughs> and um, it's also difficult to go through the experience and uh, cycle of um, making a living and uh, establishing a family or a career and so on. And before you know, you are moving over the first century of your age. And um, it's not very promising when you look forward. There is um, very much more the possibility of getting sick. And that you are getting old is for sure. And uh, when you look a little bit beyond, you know that we are losing this life one day kind of um, strange, isn't it? A real difficult journey. That doesn't mean that there were some moments of joy or of, 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 of pleasantness, but if you look at the, as a whole, this is really happening. And then <clears throat> comes really old age, and that is very frightening. And uh, for many people very embarrassing, that weakness they have to accept in the body. And many disappointments come, perhaps um, um, not uh, enough being cared by their own children, and the bodily frailty and the frailty in the mind is uh, for many very a big um, uh, bewilderment. And uh, I have many heard saying, my God, how did it happen? How did it happen so fast? It's very painful, more so, this is very painful, but more so the not understanding of old age or death. And why, you know, to be with that question, why has it come to this? Very great deal of suffering. It's part of life again. So, that is another view to see, in order to see the question of unhappiness. Remember, we started out to understand happiness. 
So there must be some truth and some big reason why the Buddha says that and says, the first truth I give you is dukkha. That means uh, suffering and dissatisfaction, all forms of unhappiness. So it is a truth. It's now for us to understand. And that means to really understand it, we have to, to, to view it uh, and to see whether it is a truth. Everything I said so far, elucidated, we can really not deny, even if you have not gone in that same way through all, but you could relate quite, quite, quite uh, uh, rightly to it. So then, here's another view. Let us <laughs> let's uh, just look at ourselves right now here in this course. How much did we look forward to come here, and uh, how, how often have we already met those moments in which we were disappointed or uh, discouraged, and uh, um, almost. Um, um, couldn't understand why I am here. Also, there were wonderful moments, but in moments of stress and dukkha, we do tend to forget those happier moments. We have to be very well trained with our minds and deeply accepting, be very skilled in deeply accepting this dukkha um, um, in dignity and calm in order uh, uh, not to forget it. That, or in order not to forget that there are also happy moments, so that we can get a little um, um, ground that moment when it is uh, pressing and when it is feeling uh, uh, dense of this dukkha. Yeah, just look at ourselves. How often have we actually failed, have been at the rim of despair, and uh, despite it is a good environment here, everything is wonderful supplied, we have very good practice, and a fairly uh, acceptable teacher, and, uh, yeah, and, uh, 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 everything is built and created so that we have comfort and undisturbedness. And yet um, we have had moments and times and longer times of uh, extreme suffering, of dissatisfaction. Uh, there were um, um, the pain of tiredness, of tiredness in the mind, of the pain of not being able to concentrate well. There was a suffering of wanting and not getting that focusing power in the mind. There was the pain of being disturbed by the loud breathing of your neighbor, or the insensitive sniffing and bark and barking. <laughs> <laughs> the, ins <laughs> the, the insensitive 
way of sniffing and coughing. All these things have brought us into states of dissatisfaction, of suffering, of irritability. So then in other times, when that wasn't happened, it still wasn't all right. There were moments of dullness and of confusion, of laziness and um, unwillingness to look at yourself, being tired of it. There were moments where you felt extremely judging and uh, critical. There were moments where you were lustful, where you had desires to satisfy something here and you felt you could not because of all the restrictions. You felt often too much separated from the pleasantness and too close to the unpleasantness. Isn't it true? And we are conditioned that way too, to act like that, to not like that unpleasantness and to fight it. Our culture supports that. It tells us always of the good things we can experience, beginning with buying the best, uh, the latest uh, uh, creation of Coca-Cola uh, to the um, last uh, uh, movie or so. Do this or take this ride, this uh, um, island for your holiday or this experience or that one. It is um, dense, this um, um, feature of happy unhappiness of dissatisfaction and uh, of unpleasantness. And it is more dense when we don't know how to handle it, you see. That's why Buddha created the first noble truth, the truth of suffering, the truth of dukkha, first. There are four, we come to them. So I mentioned old age, that there are um, suffering from not understanding their, their age and also being sub separated and isolated because our culture, I said, uh, has this uh, tendency or is geared always to put away that what is and to cover up that what is unpleasant and what is in the way of the enjoyment of life. So old people get uh, um, um, into old age homes and the families uh, um, do uh, support that. They have the same attitude. You mom go better into the old age home. They're taken care of much better. Instead of saying, I cannot take care of you. It's too uncomfortable. And it might remind me on my old on my own future. There is a wonderful story about it, very touching out of the Chinese uh, uh, culture. The old father was too much in the family. 
for the son and his children. And they decided somehow to put an end to that discomfort. They built a nice little box and put it on two poles, fastened it with uh, some, some strings or so, and uh, carefully and gently carried it to the highest bridge in the environment. And as they are lowering the bridge, the, the box in which the old father was, they heard a knocking from inside. He stopped and listened. And here he hears, you don't need to throw me down with this box. Leave the box here. You may need it. Your son may need it for you. You see? Very wise. He was fearless to be thrown down into the river. So he suggested to go without the box. Very subtly said. So when I was in India, um, uh, not so not knowing of um, of this um, um, habit or this custom that the corpses are burned openly at the gut, guts of the Ganges. The guts means the, the sides of the river, and there are terraces. Each terrace is a gut hmm, on which the corpses are burned. I thought it was a hellish place when I heard of it, so I really took the trouble and went to it. Um, and where they are bringing the corpses, not only one, sometimes 10 and 12 or 15 at a time, one after the other is carried in a stretcher without a coffin to these piers on these different terraces. And as I observed that, suddenly I realized it is a very peaceful place. No one spoke a word. Everything happened. What was necessary to light the fire for the pier or to stack up the wood for the next pier, to lower the corpses, the corpse in the stretcher, the way and the, the, the family was silently standing around, grouping itself according to their order they had. And uh, children were hanging out there as the fire began to burn the corpse and the pier uh, wood. They were waiting for the coals. Sometimes some dogs came around. They were waiting for the bones. And some cows, they came and cleaned up the stretchers, uh, uh, ropes, which were from some uh, plant, uh, um, plants made. So it was not a fearful place at all. 
very peaceful, not horrible. It was natural. It was the other end of life. To take it so open it was very, very impressive and very touching. And you see, when we look at ourselves and our culture, we really are for we are imperceptibly conditioned not to accept these things which are uncomfortable, which are um, unpleasant, which are not so nice, which don't uh, uh, feel radiate pleasantness and, and elation and, and excitement. So that is uh, our conditioning, not to feel pain. That's what is behind. We don't do that um, out of, of um, any other reason. Then it is uncomfortable to feel the pain, looking at that corpse, um, uh, living with the old one, um, experiencing my own pain. That is really where it starts, where we don't want to feel our moods or our emotions or our physical sensations not expressing pleasantness. Nothing what is in our lives unpleasant do we want to really accept. I don't talk about you. When I say we, I mean the majority. Sometimes we can include ourselves because we have that same problem very often. Our practice is not that far advanced that we can ride through all these um, dukkhas, forms of dukkha, in the light of awareness. <clears throat> So this is uh, to be learned for us, and that is the intent of the Buddha's first noble truth, to see this, this, this feature of life, which uh, is not alone just coming from our uh, um, forgetfulness and, uh, and maybe ignorance, or, um, but it comes just because it is also deep inherent that that dukkha. So um, and so we begin to understand that there is suffering in the world, and uh, we um, look into it and are invited um, deeply facing this um, this dukkha in us to acknowledge it. And it will not work in any other way. Our, our want to come to experience happiness, our attainment of happiness will always evade us or be in fail, all efforts, if we don't accept situations as they are revealing themselves. We could say we should be kind to ourselves now. That would be a wonderful way of seeing it. Our kindness 
um, is this this attitude which is necessary to accept this dukkha, to, to look at it, to allow us to feel what is uncomfortable and to open our bodies and our hearts toward it. And as you know, that's what we are doing. And it isn't always right away a good result. Much effort is necessary for it. And um, it feels sometimes that this dukkha is following us like a shadow. I think I have it here. Yeah, there is another way, there's a wonderful way of looking um, that comes from, uh, from a, no. Yeah, here. Um, from a Sufi who suggests a little um, softer way or gives us um, a hint how to look at it. Overcome any bitterness that may have come because you were not up to the magnificent magnitude of pain that was entrusted to you. Nice way to look at it. Like the mother of the world who carries the pain of the world in her heart, each one of us is part of her heart and therefore endowed with a certain measure of cosmic pain. You are sharing in the totality of that pain and you are called upon to meet it in joy instead of self-pity and aversion. Beautiful. Hmm? So this, my dear uh, Dharma friends, is that for tonight that much about the first noble truth, Dukkha. And, uh, but there is a second noble truth, and that is the truth, not yet of happiness, but it is the truth of the cause of suffering. And it could be uh, um, answered uh, if you asked uh, the question, what is the cause? What is its source? Where does this suffering, this dukkha, come from? What causes the dukkha, the suffering in the world at large, or specifically in our own hearts? Well, we could give many reasons on the large scale. Well, it is because of those in the government, number one or because of the bad economy, or, of course, it's because of the politicians. And we could go on and find more and more reason. It's because of the oil spill, spills, or um, the new, new oil uh, discoveries in the Antarctica. Well, it is and it isn't. Where it really is, because all what we mentioned is done by human beings. <laughs> and why? Well, because it is um, 
because of prejudice, of aversion, of hoarding, of greed, of dislike, of um, not liking what the black ones say or the yellow ones, fearing um, what uh, somebody else's opinion or somebody else's point of view. It's really, or it's really due, also great deal due to what we may call prejudice. And all these are the real sources for suffering. And because of these aspects I just mentioned, do we have so much more uh, than we need, uh, much more suffering than we need in this world. And so that is another way of, uh, again, looking uh, and helping us to come to understand uh, dukkha and come to understand ultimately what we want to understand, the question of happiness for us, a basic view to view, um, a basic view um, is here to, to see these causes for suffering. Um, there is desire, uh, and um, the attitude of craving, I mentioned already, which is greed, of wanting, wanting. Then on the personal level, we can go and find here, the, the, it expresses itself oft, often as the, what I call the uh, if-only uh, syndrome. It's also expressing desires, wanting, and greed, wanting it other than I have. That is the cause for my dukkha now. If I only had not the pain in my left knee, I would have a better meditation. And you can spend two hours on this wish without having any other change and without having any um, um, any any um, way out. In fact, you feel you have increased it. So, or you may find yourself not having in the the right things brought with you. You feel missing some things which were very uh, supportive for your pleasantness at home. So you may not have even your right comb or your right brush or whatever, and you see this restriction here, you cannot get it. Well, that is enough to make us unhappy and to get stuck with that wish. Uh, if only I would have it, it would be better. We do a lot of this. And uh, it uh, can take on wider forms. And uh, if you look uh, to your life, in your job, if only that boss would be a little bit more considerate, I could have a more peaceful and happy place of work. Or if you look at your, your dwelling, it could come about 
It's not the right place to live. I can imagine a better one. Maybe where there is more sun, at least in my bedroom. Or um, go to your relationship level or um, ev um, eventing. I could really be more peaceful and harmonious and have more interest in my Dharma work if I had the right partner. I know what they are around. Maybe if I look, I will find it. So you, you, uh, we entertain ourselves with this. It could be better if only. And we all have engaged quite deeply in that. It's a tremendous uh, um, uh, source of suffering. Who can agree to that? And um, <laughs> so you can feel it. So there is no end to, the, to this form of suffering. And there is no end to inventing, for, um, for the mind to invent more if-only uh, situations. For this satisfaction can come, come up any minute. Well, that is one way, is one aspect and one source of our suffering. This um, uh, um, craving through our senses to have it better, more comfortable, more sun, more uh, better feelings, um, being relieved from my loneliness, and so on. Now, what else is uh, the cause for suffering? Well, there are our thoughts which assert themselves as opinions or as beliefs and um, as views. And we are cherishing them. And mostly they uh, clash and get uh, into a contrast with other point of views. So we have now to bring forth effort to defend them, to hold them up, and to assert them and to make them believe for yourself and for the others. The unfortunate part in it is that we mostly don't know whether they are really true. So that we are here as insisting upon something which is uncertain, very painful, when it, when the, it uh, shows up in a different way. We have a lot of opinions to defend them, do we? And a lot of good uh, um, views, we think, or point of views. But they're not coming from wisdom. We don't know that. And then so much more do we have effort to bring forth to make them strong. And so we have to do that in order to feel our own lives, meaning or importance, or just feeling that what I call my life. Tremendous sort of suffering when we are attached to these. 
Without awareness, we have no way to get distance and into a better perspective to these views. We cling to them. You know, they are the source um, for most, for all of the wars, because some other culture is thinking differently than another one. They create weapons gruesomely, do they murder themselves for ideas. So really, and, that's, and we do, to, to do, do that. People have, on the individual level, murdered each other for that. It's hard, apparently, for the unenlightened mind, for the conditioned mind, to be challenged. Why? Because we are losing status of I here. You see, all this belongs now uh, to, uh, to insight, to understand. That's why we should look more deeply, very precisely, very deep. And not deep enough can we look at, into this uh, field we call the source of suffering and the suffering itself. We cannot separate the source or the cause for the suffering. They belong together. First and second noble truths are a set. And we get a tremendous amount of suffering when we feel, when we allow ourselves to identify with these thoughts, ideas, and opinions. And then there are other things which are a cause of suffering. And then we go to the individual level again. There are these, these, what we may call our ideals we are creating about ourselves. Or, uh, and from that comes also this um, um, attitude of generalizing, giving uh, uh, generalized opinions and views makes you feel very wise and very uh, recommending some wise things. But it doesn't come from wisdom. We are attached to them and um, um, don't know that uh, when we generalize, it is actually the expression of ignorance, of ignoring a lot. And uh, above all, that that is never the truth. It is just a cover-up for my not being able to really touch that issue directly. So doing better through generalizations, better drop it right now. We can never bring better conditions about through that attitude. We have to, that has to be done, this bringing better conditions about or making it better, What. Uh, um, through direct touch, not through generalizing ideas and suggestions. So that uh, these ideas, these images we can build up, how wise we are, how good uh, we are, and um, try now to to, to present us as this and have now to pretend a great deal. 
for we don't really, in the back of our minds, we, we somehow sense it isn't quite what I am in reality. Hmm? And that is also a great deal of effort and suffering to keep up this image for the world, which I am not. Enormous amount of effort has to be brought forward. Just think of this, we want, we th just if we would have to um, hide behind the picture and try to behave accordingly, <clears throat> I'm a good meditator, I'm enlightened. <clears throat> now you try to find somehow that behavior to behave like being enlightened, where you have read enough and you could uh, demonstrate it for two days or half a day. <laughs> and then it falls apart, then it's not more convincing. And then you let, so to speak, the flag down. Hmm? A tremendous amount of suffering. And people do a lot of that in the business world, in the family world, in the relationship world. Everywhere is this ego trying to pretend what it is not. So this is another source of suffering. Um, mind you, we are talking about the, the, the causes of suffering and see that it is a truth. So we don't have no assumptions here. And it is open for you to test what the Buddha suggests to look at. You can read many, many examples for that when you would study and read Buddha's discourses. He talks about all kinds of sorts of suffering and points it out in the way I do and other ways. Mind you that he has made 17,500 discourses, always about the first noble truth and the second and the third and the fourth. Now we are at the second, the cause of suffering. So, um, this attitude of being attached to our ideals uh, um, is, um, as I already said, a great deal of suffering. And there are other ideals, other than I just mentioned. The ideal of, uh, I like uh, to be the young person all the time. And I try now, under all circumstances, to be young, and to look young. All kinds of things are from our society or culture already offered, what we can uh, somehow do to really uh, present a useful uh, picture. But then somehow, it, uh, uh, when you really look closely after a while, despite the best facelift, you will see it isn't lifted anymore. <laughs> It has sunk. <laughs> yeah, you cannot, uh, despite jogging and eating alfalfas of all sorts <laughs> and the best uh, 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 vitamins, and you must realize at one point, yeah, I, I, I don't really look so young. If you look to a real young person next to, <laughs> next to you, it will show you 
Where's the suffering? If you are attached to that image, to that ideal which you want to bring forth, and then comes, of course, the fear of uh, being not beautiful and being not useful anymore. Very painful, great source of suffering, this attachment to this ideal, staying young. Not, and then, of course, that is not the whole truth. With awareness, you begin in yourself to see that an old person can be very beautiful. It's not the outer which makes a human being really beautiful, but the inner, and it is your own light which your mind can assume, and can awaken to. And um, otherwise we will have to go through terrifying uh, um, efforts and fears um, as uh, when we feel ours, allow ourselves to be attached to this ideal of being young. And it is a losing battle. So be more attentive to your practice. So what else is suffering, the cause for suffering? Well, that is one of the most, most deepest attachment. And that becomes apparent to us when we begin to practice and become more silent and more mellow through our bodies and minds, when we give up trying to run away from what is unpleasant, when we are having succumbed of being where we are, when we feel we don't really want more to be happy, or we can just look and be with that what is. And there we discover our greatest attachment and the greatest source of our suffering, this sense of I to which we have brought forth so much effort to sustain it and to bring forth a strong personality. And this effort to identify with some entity here, which we have named I or me or you, which doesn't exist as we so often, or so often I have thrown that pearl to you. Look at it, who is eating? Look at it, who is being the watcher? who is being the experiencer. Or we could only find mental abilities and, and uh, mental functions or uh, physical um, sensations, but no solid uh, personality or entity here. It was a process and uh, we are quite identified with this concept, I, that means with this wrong self, a sense of self. And that is a tremendous amount of suffering. And it drives us uh, in all directions and in all kinds of unwholesome actions to satisfy this desire which comes from this sense of I, 
of this misbelief that there is something to be satisfied, somebody to be satisfied here. It um, um, involves the uh, whole uh, spectrum of our unwholesome actions, all kinds of greed and hatred, all kinds of delusions, just uh, are performed just for the gratification of this sense of I, self, which is not existing in truth. It's like the sun set is not existing. There is a, pro a different process behind. So you see, when we see that this, the false belief or this uh, this uh, gives us a lot of suffering and drives us to so many unwholesomeness and is the main source of our unwholesomeness. We can become softer with that what we call um, misbehavior or the, um, um, our suffering. For it is more an event of misunderstanding which does not deserve our criticism, our condemnation, our dissatisfaction, which rather demands or invites us to look at it deeply and to find out what really is there and how this process really functions and comes about to bring us these causes for suffering. And understanding that as you can begin together with your practice now to integrate it into your understanding, into your intel, intellect, which becomes now um, insight and wisdom um, and, um, well, yeah, wisdom, understanding. Um, it's a wonderful thing and is happening through our practice. And if we understand that more, we will um, allow this process in greater gentleness to suffer, to carry the suffering, and to look at it more deeply. And in that, the healing takes place. And that way, we come to understand how to create our genuine, authentic happiness. When we have eradicated and uprooted the source of suffering, only the cause we need to, uh, to, to, uh, to uproot, to diminish, then less suffering will be. And I think we can say we have had a touch of it, we are in the middle of these efforts, looking at ourselves, learning to um, accept more that what is unpleasant, and understanding our tendency of moving away from it. And now through our practice, bringing more ease into it, um, into the, uh, 
and strength to accept as it is. In that we are experiencing the ease and the healing. See yourself um, in the practice in this way. So no longer can it become a burden or something which is uh, to be um, disapproved of or something which is uh, you, you to, to, which is a very terrible issue to get at. It is something what we um, what should be our um, happy friend our um, um, comforting company. This whole process of coming to see these two truths in us and experiencing in this way its, um, its um, transformation from pain, from suffering, from hardship into more ease and more lightness and openness of heart into more happiness. That is maybe said very beautiful in our evening meta. May I be happy, may I be able to protect my own happiness this is maybe in this way to be understood. Here you have, by looking at it and what we shared tonight, I hope that we may have received a little bit of this skill to protect your own happiness. Thank you for tonight enough. very touching, doesn't it? Very close. And you, uh, and very touching because it is something what the mind has received as true and it cannot argue. And you cannot fight it. And it comes to still, right in that deep recognition. There is a f wonderful feeling of happiness, quiet happiness, not that loud, think it's this beautiful quiet and tender right may i be happy to protect my own happiness may i be able to protect my own happiness may i be able to protect my own happiness May I be able to protect my own happiness. See the entire uh, um, two noble truths and the insight we attained and, or have enlarged our insight we had so far. Whilst you are singing it three times more with all of your heart, with your best key, with your highest reverence, 
with your largest heart. May I be able to Did it feel good? Take that mantra with you. Chant it when things get rough and smooth out what is rough. Or Buddha's words to Kamada. All right, let's get up now. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.